Hello, I want to welcome you to the Point Church Alberta Campus Sunday Preaching Podcast. My name is Josh Heisler and I'm the Alberta Campus Pastor. We strongly believe in the expositional preaching of God's Word, which works to build our faith and grow us up in Christ. Our prayer is that this message will be a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join us as we get to the point. Today I want to spend just a minute with you talking about the one who gave his life so that we could all enjoy the greatest freedom a human being can enjoy. Would you look with me in Galatians chapter 5? Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to look at just one verse today. That's my Memorial Day gift to everybody. One verse sermon. Can I get an amen right there? One verse, Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1, which is a powerful, powerful verse that I pray today you are living, living in the freedom that we have in Jesus. Hear the word of the Lord, Galatians 5 and verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I want you to turn your eyes up to the screens. Will you do that? Just put your eyes on the screen so we're all reading uh, from the ESV together. And I want you to say this verse with me out loud. All right, here we go together. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for Psalm 13 that we read just a moment ago that reminds us that when life has its twists and turns and the good days and the bad days, and even for us this week as a nation, that we have seen so much heartache and tragedy. Lord, we're gathered in this place today knowing that Jesus is the answer for the world, that Jesus is the one that can truly set us free. I want to pray right now for this room. I pray for those today that may be living in the bondage of sin, the penalty of sin. I pray that today, Holy Spirit, their eyes may be opened, their heart may be conditioned to the Word, and today they would be set free by your grace. For every Christian in this room that has been born again, has been saved, delivered from that bondage and that penalty of sin. But maybe today is living in a new form of bondage and slavery is the verse we just read. I pray today they would be set free by your grace. God, you sent your very best, not your leftovers, but your very best when you sent us your son, the Lord Jesus, to die on the cross. And he died so that today, 2022, even in the midst of chaos, we could live in freedom. So Lord, set us free and remind us today that we have a choice whether or not we will live in freedom. And I pray this in Jesus' name and God's people said. Every year there are over 600,000 people who are released from jail or prison. Unfortunately, within five years, 77% of them will be back 
behind bars. What we find out is that many of them have burnt bridges with their family and their friends. And when they get out, they just have no place to go. Nobody wants them. Others, they have only known a life of crime, in and out, in and out. That's all they know, and it's just the way that they live their life. For many of them, after living uh, through an extended period of a sentence, they get out of prison, and they don't know what to do with their newfound freedom. They just don't know how to live and how to function. Imagine someone that's been in prison for several decades If they were to get out right now, we're on iPhone 13, right? I mean, the world has changed in a significant way. Ben Gunn was a British prisoner. He was in prison for 32 years, and he got out of prison, and he said this. He said, the moment I got out, I found that my newfound freedom is deeply disturbing. I don't know what to do with it. He said, when I was in prison, I had my own identity. I had my routine. I knew who I was in that finite space that I was confined to for 32 years. But once I got out, in this big old infinite world, I don't know what to do with myself. His words, he said, my life is imploding. I'm completely lost, and I don't know what to do with my freedom. Now, apparently, there were some new Christians in Galatia, who had been born again by God's grace, and they had this new freedom that we have in Christ, and they didn't know what to do with it. You see, for over a thousand years, man's relationship with God centered around the law. Could he obey the Ten Commandments? Could he keep the 613 laws, both ceremonial, moral, and civil? Anybody in the house today glad we don't have to keep all those laws today? Is there anybody glad that we can eat some fish and shrimp today, all right? And we're not living under all of that pressure. But for a thousand years, that's the way. That's the way man uh, had his relationship with God was by, by the keeping of the law. But how many of you know today that the cross changed everything? And today, right now, in real time, friends, I want you to know the cross is still changing everything. Christ came to set us free. Now, in seminary, they taught us this. If you're going to preach a good sermon, you've got to create some tension in the room. So here we go. I'm fixing to create some tension. Here's my question. If Christ truly came to set us free, why do so many Christians today live in bondage? If Christ truly came to set us free, why do so many Christians still live in bondage. No, we're not under the bondage of the penalty of sin anymore, but for some of us today, we are living in the bondage of fear. You're overwhelmed. You're anxious about the future. How about the Christians today that are living in the bondage of anxiety when yet we know that Philippians chapter 4 says, do not, do not, there's those two words again that we read in the text, do not be anxious about anything. Anybody in the room just want to have an invitation right now because you're anxious about some things? Come on now, let's just get honest in the house of the Lord. Some of us are living today in the bondage of bitterness. I'll never forget, I was preaching several years ago in South Georgia, and uh, the church that I was preaching at, they had a cemetery around the church, and uh, I was up preaching one night, and I was just preaching away on forgiveness, and I didn't have it in my notes, 
But I said this. I said, there's somebody sitting in this room tonight. You're being controlled. You're angry and you're bitter towards somebody that's buried out there in that cemetery. A man walked up to me after the service and he said, Pastor, how'd you know? I said, I didn't know, but the Lord knows. The truth is, in this messed up, mixed up world, we know what Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1 says. We know that Christ came to set us free, and yet we find ourselves in this struggle of living in bondage. Walter Grunman said this. He said, the Christian stands in the tension of a double reality. We are basically freed from sin. We're redeemed. We're reconciled. But we are actually at war with sin. We are threatened, attacked, and we are placed in jeopardy by it. There's a reason why the Scripture says that sin is always sitting at the door. Anybody in the house felt that in your life? You know. You know your flesh. And you know the enemy is always lying at the door. What does the enemy want to do? If you're a Christian today, you've been set free by His grace. He can't do anything about your eternal salvation. The Bible says, John chapter 10, we are in the palm of His hand. Jesus holds us very tightly, and no man is able to pluck us out of His hand. He can't do anything about our salvation, but friends, He can sure make us miserable on the journey. And He can cause us to live in bondage. Now, when I was studying uh, in Bible college and seminary. Let me get a drink of water here. There were two words that we learned as we study a verse like Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1. You might want to write these down. The word is the word indicative, and the second word is the word imperative. Okay, The indicative and the imperative. What does that mean? Here it is. The indicative is that which is a fact. It's not that which is going to happen. It's that which has happened. It's settled. This is the way it is. It is the indicative. The imperative is what happens as a result of the indicative. In other words, when you come over to the imperative, it's what we do about the indicative. It's how we obey or how we, how we live. The imperative is the effect that the indicative has on our lives. So think about Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 1. If you're a Christian this morning, say amen, wave at me. You've been born again by God's grace. There is an indicative about your life. It is a fact. Christ came and Christ set you free. The imperative is, what are the implications of that indicative? Now, let's look at Galatians 5 for just a minute. I want to set a context with you, uh, if I may, of Galatia. Galatia is what I would call like Baldwin County, Alabama, okay? So in your mind, think about a map, and uh, think about way up there to Bay Minette and way down here to, to Gulf Shores. Galatia is not a city, it's a province. And in that province, there are several cities. Now think about the letter that Paul wrote to the Christians in this county. Uh, it was only written about 14 to 16 years after the death of Christ. So Christianity is relatively fresh. If we could uh, have some compassion and grace toward these new Christians who had been told Judaism, law, circumcision, dietary laws, and now the gospel makes it to them and they're saved, born again, and then they have the Judaizers, which were 
a group of people in and around the church who were always trying to mix the law and grace, the law and grace. Now, hear me today, friends. Salvation is Jesus plus nothing. Jesus plus nothing. You don't have Jesus plus words. Jesus plus communion. Jesus plus baptism. Jesus plus catechism. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. So that the gospel made it to Galatia. That's the message that they heard. And then you have these religious zealots called the Judaizers standing over everybody's shoulder saying, okay, okay, you want to believe that Christ is the Messiah. That's okay, but you still got to be circumcised. You still can't eat shrimp. You still have to follow all of the dietary laws. And Paul is writing to this group of people, and he's saying to them, this is the indicative, Christ has set you free. Don't turn around and let someone else put you under another yoke of bondage. Let me make two statements and I'm done, all right? How about that? One verse and two statements and we're done. Statement number one from Galatians 5.1 is that God gifted your freedom. God gifted your freedom. Dr. Timothy George, the Beeson School of Divinity in Birmingham, said this. He said, Christian freedom is a gift that was bestowed on Good Friday and Easter. Man, I love that. That just gives me kind of chills, right? Christian freedom was gifted to us on Good Friday. What happened on Good Friday? Jesus died on the cross, right? We are people of the cross. Jesus was nailed to the old rugged cross. And it was there that he shed his blood and he gave his life so that we would be gifted freedom in him. And then, of course, on the third day, praise God, he rose from the grave. Your freedom is a gift from God. Hear me. Your freedom is not a result of anything that you have done. You don't make yourself free. Now, I was thinking this morning, this is not in my notes. I didn't plan to say it. But I was studying early this morning, and I thought about the Andy Griffith show. Will you all forgive me for just a minute? How many of you all have seen Otis walk into the jail? Some of you are laughing. How many of you have seen Otis walk into the jail, grab the keys, let himself in, and then ultimately let him, some, some of you are waving back there, and then he would ultimately let himself out. Okay, that's not salvation. You don't let yourself in and let yourself out. Freedom is a gift. If you're saved today, it is only because Jesus set you free. Jesus unlocked the cell on Calvary. What is that cell? That cell is the bondage of sin. Look on the screen, Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 13. Somebody ought to shout in the house today, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Keep going. Galatians 3 verse 22. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law. We were imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until what? Until Christ came 
in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Christ came. We're under the bondage, the penalty, and the curse of sin. But Christ came and he set us free. And now we are the sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. How many of you, uh, when you were in Sunday school, you learned Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9? For by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You know why God doesn't allow you to save yourself? Because you'd strut around like a peacock about it. And you'd take credit for it, and you'd brag, and you'd say, look what I've done. Salvation is not about what I have done. It's about what Jesus did on the cross. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, He saved us. He saved us. Christ saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So, so Paul stops these Galatian Christians and he says, wait a minute now, your freedom is not because you're doing a list of rules and regulations. You don't get to heaven that way. You don't have the right standing before God because you've done enough good works. You have the right standing before God because of what Jesus did for you on the cross. Can I just ask the room today, have you experienced the free, unmerited grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus? Because even today on the church scene, there's still some today, some denominations, some churches that say you've got to do this, or you've got to do this, or you've got to join this, or you've got to take this. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. Salvation is a gift. But legalism says, surely I've got to do something. Surely I've got to participate in it. Surely there's something that I've got to do to contribute to my own salvation. And friends, salvation is not salvation if you contribute to it. Salvation is salvation when we receive the free gift of His mercy and His grace. Once you got saved, though, then you go, well, what do I do now? How then shall we live? Because some people struggle with this. Now that I'm a Christian, certainly there's got to be a big list of rules and regulations that I've got to follow. When I think about that, I think of Acts chapter 15, verses 10 and 11 at the Jerusalem Council when Peter said to the Pharisees, you put rules and bondage on people that you can't even keep yourself. How many of you have a hard enough time in your flesh following and obeying those 66 books than to add stuff to it, right? I was talking to a young man one day. His daddy was a Pentecostal holiness preacher, good family, great family. And I said to him, I said, hey, what is the, what is the wildest thing you've ever heard preached against at your church? This is what he said. He said, oh, that's easy. He said, a couple of weeks ago, he said, we had an evangelist in there, and he was just preaching away. And he said, my son was walking through the living room the other day, and he had two pens in his pocket. And he said, I stopped him in the living room, and I said, son, you take one of those pins out of your pocket. That's a sign of pride in your life. 
Now, how many of you have never thought of two pins in your pocket as being prideful? When this young man told me that, my first thought was, heaven forbid that one of them would quit writing, right? And you might need another one. I mean, I've been in church my whole life. I grew up in church. I'm almost 50 now, and I've heard a lot of things, but I've never heard that one. But here's what I do know. There will always be people around you when it comes to the liberating gospel of Jesus Christ who will want to choke out all your joy and all your freedom. And then you have some people that say, yeah, well, but but, but Christianity is not an anything-goes faith. And I would say that is certainly true because Paul said, the love of Christ constrains me. So here it is, gang. When Christ gives you freedom, the gift of freedom in your life, you want to serve him, you want to obey him, and you want to follow him. So statement number one, your freedom is a gift from God. Statement number two, and my last point, here it is. Living in freedom is a choice. Living in freedom is a choice. Several years ago, a man put a book in my hand written by Dr. John Baker. The title of the book is Life's Healing Choices. And I grabbed that book and I began to read through it. Some of you have heard through the years of the uh, program Celebrate Recovery. uh, That is a ministry in churches for just helping people with dependencies. You know, it might be a a chemical addiction. It might be codependency. It might be whatever it is. And so I began to read that book. And in the first part of it, Dr. Baker tells his own story of, of, of living in the bondage of alcohol. He had an alcohol problem. And he said, as he began to just look at his own life and look at this bondage and wonder how in the world he was ever going to get out of it, he realized that in life, even as a Christian, knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior, there are some choices that you're going to make every day. For example, you're going to get up tomorrow morning and you're going to decide whether or not you're going to read your Bible and pray. You're going to get up in the morning, you're going to decide whether or not you're going to share the gospel throughout the day. One of the choices that we make is whether or not we will truly live in the freedom that Christ came to give us. And and in that book, he unpacks that the truth is every person in this room today, we all have hurts, we all have habits, and we all have hang-ups. Anybody want to say amen right there? I said, don't, don't sit up straight and act all pious right now, right? I said, or he said, We all have hurts, we all have habits, and we all have hang-ups. And the test of the Christian life is what are we going to do with those three things? Are we going to live in them? Are we going to let them control us? I mean, even though though we know we are free in Jesus, are are we going to give in to the pressures of this world? Are we going to give in to the pressures of our flesh? Are we going to to capitulate and give in and compromise with this freedom that we have? If you read on down in chapter 5 and verse 13, Paul says this, Brothers, you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. You and I have two choices today. Look on the screen. Charles Kingsley said this, There are two freedoms. The faults, where a man is free to do what he likes, and the true, where a man 
is free to do what he ought. You've got two choices today. Follow your flesh, do what you like, make excuses for that, or to live in the freedom that Christ has for us and to do what we ought. You know what? Our flesh doesn't like to be told no, does it? I remember growing up, if my mom and daddy said, do not go in that closet, I would just think about that all the time. I want to know what's in that closet. I remember my grandmother growing up, she had this wooden cedar chest at the end of her bed, and we'd go over to her house, and, and we knew that the number one rule in her house was to not look in that wooden chest. Don't go in there. Well, after we died, after she died, we found out why. There were two things in there, $36,000 in cash, and then the love letters that my grandfather had written her during World War II. And I'm going to tell you something, there was some smoke coming off of them. <laughs> because after she died, we got to read them all, right? There's something in our flesh when we're told, don't do that, don't go there. It's really, it's really tough on our kids and young people, right? They just don't understand maybe why mom and dad says, no, well, our Heavenly Father says, look, you, you have been set free, but, but, don't use your freedom as an opportunity to live in your flesh. So what do we do? Here's the imperative, and I'm done. He says two things in this text. Number one, we all need to hold our ground. We need to stand firm in the liberty and the freedom that Christ has given us. I was preaching the other night out in Oklahoma, and I, I made a reference to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13 uh, in, my, in my sermon. Last night, I was watching... Uh, the, the college softball playoffs on TV. Any of y'all see Texas playing Arkansas? Anybody notice what the Texas pitcher had on the side of her, of her hat there? She had 1 Corinthians 16, 13. And this is what that verse says. It says, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, and be strong. When I was preaching the other night, I, I illustrated this about this, this thought of holding our ground and standing firm the word literally is to dig in your heels, to brace yourself, to get, get prepared for the pressure, get prepared for the onslaught, and don't back up. Don't compromise. Stand firm. Hold your ground. That's a message that the church of Jesus Christ needs to hear today. Stand firm. Hold your ground. Live in the freedom that Christ has given you, but don't capitulate. Don't give in to the pressure. Follow God's plan. Be obedient to the Word. Am I speaking to a group of people today that it's settled in your heart, this is our guidebook? What did Jesus say in John chapter 8 when he was speaking to his disciples? He said, if you will follow my Word, you will be my disciples. And then he said that famous line. Many times we quote verse 32 but we skip right over verse 31. If you follow my word, you will be my disciples. And then he said this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Freedom comes in standing on the word of God and holding fast. The second thing he says is not only to hold your ground, but he says, don't cave in. Don't cave in. 
do not, do not, we all say those two words with me, do not submit again to another yoke of slavery. I'm going to tell you what the Lord's taught me in recent days. The real battle that we're facing in this culture right now is in our minds, in our minds. We're dealing with mental health issues in our society. And on top of that, we're dealing with, as Dr. Adrian Rogers used to say, many Christians who are struggling with stinking thinking. Our minds are just not right. I was reading a a book a few months ago, and the author said this, the the spiritual battle that's being fought today is being fought between our ears. Can anybody relate to that? The battle for our mind, the battle for our thinking. And before we ever act, before we ever go a certain direction, watch, before we ever give in to a new form of bondage or slavery, that battle begins in our minds. Dr. Rogers said that's why most people sitting on the church pew on Sunday morning need a checkup from the neck up. A checkup from the neck up. Because we know the Scripture says, set your minds. Set your minds on things above, not on things on this earth. Set your mind on the things that matter. The reason why some of us today are living in bondage and we're not living in the freedom that Christ came to give us is because our minds are set on the things of this world and not on things that matter in eternity. Can I make a suggestion today? This is not Scripture, and I don't want to be legalistic, but can I just make a suggestion today in the house of the Lord? Turn the news off and get off social media. And just get in the Word and pray and seek the Lord and let the Lord clean out the cobwebs of your mind. Stop living in that bondage because that bondage leads to fear and anxiety. And there's no way, there's no way that we can truly live in the joy and the freedom that Jesus came to give us if we don't get our minds right. Do not, do not. Don't listen, don't come to Christ and accept him as your Lord and Savior and then turn around and submit yourself to a yoke of religion and performance. I'm telling you, I've done that, got a T-shirt, it's miserable. Surrender and submit yourself to Christ and live in the freedom that he gives. On top of the U.S. Capitol, there's there's a statue of a lady. She's called the Freedom Lady. You can look this up. And she stands about 20 feet tall and, of course, is a symbol of our freedom. Uh, Her face is lined with stars, a crest of stars, and it's just a reminder of the blessings that we enjoy in our country of being free. The story is this. She was actually brought to the United States from Rome. And on the journey over, the ship hit storms, tumultuous waters. It was a very scary situation by the account that the crew told later. And as you know, that sometimes when you're in those storms, the best thing to do is to lighten the boat and throw things overboard. And this is the story that I read a few months ago about what happened as they began to throw things overboard to lighten the ship. The crew ran over and they put their hands on this statue, this very important statue. And they thought because of its weight and its heaviness, Surely we need to throw this overboard if we're going to survive. And the story is, in the midst of the racket, the captain of the ship, with a loud voice, yelled, No, no, we will never throw freedom away. 
we will never throw freedom away. So God sent me here today to tell you, Christian, don't throw your freedom away. You have a choice to make. Live in the freedom that Christ offers. If you're here today and you've never been set free from the bondage of sin, we believe that every person, every person must acknowledge that they're a sinner, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, confess their sin and confess him as Lord, and be born again, become a Christian. It's in that moment that you are set free from the bondage and the penalty of sin. And we just believe today that Jesus is delivering people. Amen, church? If you need to be delivered today, I beg you, don't go away without Jesus. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast from The Point Church. If you would like more information about our church, or if you have any questions, you can find us online at tothepoint.church.